Bibles to Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 51. We're going to read this a couple times. If you're not there yet, that's fine. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. This is God's word. And we are in week two of looking at Mary's song. Uh, Her magnification of the Lord. These are the words. This is the song uh, that erupted from her lips whenever she goes to her uh, relative Elizabeth. Elizabeth confirms these things. Blessed is the child. Blessed are you. Blessed is the child in your womb. And then John the Baptist starts dancing in her stomach. When that happens, Mary says this. And so last week, just to catch us up. Uh, She said, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. So the background to the song is that Israel's history is filled with a lot of. Of unfinished, unfulfilled promises. Okay, so the snake from Genesis 3 isn't crushed. Abraham's family is not blessing all the nations. A Davidic son isn't ruling from the temple and the throne in Jerusalem. And the Jewish people don't have new hearts, new spirits, and new resurrected bodies that never die again. Okay, these are all promises God had made that weren't happening. They they weren't going on. And so the announcement from the angel and and the confirmation through Elizabeth and, and the jumping John, it just means for Mary that God hasn't forgotten. God hasn't changed. God hasn't reinterpreted or reimagined his words. He will do everything he said he would do. And so in response to that, Mary rejoices. And that's just what I wanted to say last week. Our response to God is based on actual things he has done. Okay, and and in view of actual things he will do into the future, the example last week, he delivers them through the Red Sea. Miriam grabs the tambourine and and sings the horse and his rider. He's thrown into the sea because he just did that thing. And they respond to that thing. And then the second thing just from last week is the most important heart posture we can have in this age is lowliness and humility before God, because that's who God comes to save who God comes to rescue and, and work through. But Mary keeps singing, and that's what we're going to look at today, 51. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud. He has brought down the mighty. He has exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry. And the rich he has sent away empty. So this part of the song is the longing and heart cry of every Jewish heart that's longing for the fulfillment of of God's promises, right? This is what she's, she's praying. And what they're praying, God, will you show your strength? Will, will you scatter the proud? Will you bring down the so-called mighty? Will you send away the so-called rich? Because remember their story, right? Abraham's story goes pretty well. But after that, they're under Pharaoh's thumb for 430 years. They're decades under Babylon, decades under Persia, 230 years under Greece. And at the time that Mary's singing, at the time Jesus is born, they're 60 years under Rome. Okay, so not great. It's just not not a great thing going on there. And so this cry, God, scatter the proud, bring down the mighty, send the way the rich, is the cry of, of a nation and a people that's in exile. But it's also the cry of every human heart. Okay, 
of, of everyone who's been uh, wronged by the powers of this age. And it, it's the cry of and groaning of creation even, right? Romans 8, even creation is longing and groaning for the revealing of the sons of God. Because things are not okay. The cry is, how, how long, Lord, are you going to let this stuff go on? It, it's Psalm 73. We won't read it, but it's just... <laughs> The wicked prosper, God, the, the righteous suffer. How long is this going to go on? The, they have plenty of food, but the righteous are in want. They're never in trouble. The righteous always are. Psalm 73, they wear pride as their necklace. Like they boast before God and before those they oppress, and they're happy about it. They, they wear it out there. Their hearts are full of folly. Their threats are for oppression, and they set their mouths against the Lord. And so the cry of the people, and hopefully the cry of of us is how long, God, like how long does this stuff go on? How long will, will this age and, and the perils that come with it and the, the unrighteousness and wickedness that comes with it, how long is it going to grind us into powder? Well, Mary answers the question here. How long? Not forever. <laughs> Not forever. Mary prays like and Mary sings like she knows that this little System, right? Mankind's games and plots and meetings and all of this stuff, it has an appointed end. It won't go on forever. How long, O oh Lord? The answer is not forever. And in, in fact, Mary is so certain about this, so certain that the proud and the mighty and, and the rich are about to be booted from their thrones that she talks about it in past tense. Okay? She's not schizophrenic. This is just what she says. He has shown strength. He has scattered the proud. He has brought down the mighty. Okay? Have you noticed this in your Bible? Uh, Brian and Melissa just read it. He has redeemed his people. Okay, The authors or the characters, and we do this too, but they speak of future events as having already passed. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones. Are the mighty still on their thrones? 100%. Okay, He has scattered the proud and lofty in their hearts. Are there still proud, lofty, you know? 100%, okay? So what she's doing is, is all through the Bible, and if you care, in, in Greek and Hebrew, it's called the proleptic perfect, okay? It, it, that's the tense where the author speaks of a future event, okay? It hasn't passed yet. They speak about it like it's already passed, and the reason they do this is to communicate certainty, okay? So Genesis 17, Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. When the Lord says this to Abraham, does Abraham have any kids? No, not at all. Okay, he doesn't have one child, much less is he the father of many nations. But the Lord speaks of it in the past tense to communicate it's certain it will happen. And now is Abraham on this side of it? Is Abraham a father of many nations? Yeah. Like anyway, um, but uh, best example, I think, of this proleptic, perfect Isaiah 60, verse one, Isaiah prophesying to Jerusalem, to the nation says, arise and shine. Your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And when Isaiah is prophesying these things, there's no light on Israel. Okay? There's no good news for Jerusalem. And in fact, as he is saying these things, um, Assyria... So, just quick. Have you guys seen Lord of the Rings? Okay, well, it, if you've seen it or read it, uh, there's a big... Big hog thing filled with fire called Grand. And they hammer it on the door to get into the city. Anyway, it's a really bad deal. Assyria is like Gron, pounding on Jerusalem's door, like ready to get in and, and overthrow it and overtake them. And they do, right? Gron gets in. And it's bad. <laughs> Yet because Isaiah is prophesying in the power of the Spirit, and he's so sure, 
certain and sure that God will keep his promises to Israel, he speaks in past tense. Like he can see Assyria marching on Jerusalem and says, arise and shine, Israel, your light has come. And they're like, what are you smoking? You know what I mean? Like you stopped at the hemp station on the way in this morning. (laughs) Sorry, I... Sorry. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, it's, a, it, it's nonsensical to say, Israel, your light has come, or your Redeemer has come, when Assyria is marching in and destroying your lives and family and sending you into exile. But Isaiah, in the power of the Spirit, and because he is certain that God will do everything he said he will do, he speaks in past tense. And so this is just what Mary is doing. The announcement from the angel and the confirmation of those words in Elizabeth and in John gives way to prophecy from her, gives way to her of speaking of, of, of things that are not as though they were, right? That, that's Paul, Romans 4, talking about Abraham, right? Abraham didn't have kids. God said, you're a father of many nations, okay? So that's what's going on. She's certain of these things, and we can be certain of these things too, right? Even more certain, Peter says, because... Peter says, I'm certain of these things because I went up on the mountain with that guy and he transfigured and transformed and we saw evidence of what the kingdom of God will be like. And for us, guys, there's an empty tomb. Okay? So if the guy says, I'm going to die, then he dies. And he also said, I'm going to rise from the dead. And he did that. Everything else he says is true too. Right? The guy who rises from the dead makes the rules. God says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Okay, we will. We can be certain of these things. And so the reality that, that Mary is communicating with certainty by speaking in past tense uh, is, is two things specifically. One, the, the arm of the Lord and the day of the Lord. Okay? This section of the song concerns the great day of Yahweh, the, the great day of Israel's God. And it is impossible, okay? It is impossible to overstate the uh, importance of these two ideas, the arm of the Lord and the day of the Lord. You can't say too much about them um, in the Jewish story, okay? So in the prophetic literature that we have, like our Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all those uh, people, Amos, Nahum, Habakkuk, all these, all of that, plus the intertestamental writings that it's in a Catholic Bible, okay? So open that thing up and, and check out that middle stuff. All of that, all of that, this thing, the day of the Lord and the arm of the Lord, it just swallows everything, Okay? It's like an odor that just covers the whole bit. And and there's no escaping it. You can't pretend that it's not there. Like, it's just everywhere you read, the day of the Lord, the arm of the Lord is staring you in the face. And you got to deal with it. Right? Like, this is what's going on. And so here's the big idea. The main purpose of the day of the Lord and the arm of the Lord is really simple and really easy. Of which I say, thank you, God, for making things so simple. The idea is this, is that humanity has wrecked things. Agreed? Okay, can we start there? (laughs) Humanity has wrecked things. And the message of the day of the Lord is that God will, in flaming fire, come down from the heavens to fix what we have wrecked. Okay? And so depending on where you land, that's either the best news ever or the worst news ever. But that's the news. That's the announcement. So this is all the way through the Bible. So Enoch, who is Adam's... Or Adam would be Enoch's great, 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 great grandfather. Okay, so really early in the story of of human history. Seven generations from Adam. Enoch says this. He says, I saw the Lord come down from the heavens with 10,000 legions of angels in flaming fire. 
Way early in the story, we get a a picture of the day of the Lord and the arm of the Lord. Exodus 19, right? They go up on the mountain. God comes down on the mountain. What do you get? Thunder, lightning, smoke, the mountain shaking, the people wetting their pants because God's come down. And they think, oh, this is the day of the Lord. When, When Solomon dedicates the temple, what happens? God comes down, fills that thing. The people fall out. They, they, they tremble before this day, but the phrase really takes off, and you really get more uh, examples of what this day is like uh, in, in the book of Isaiah, okay? Isaiah is 66 chapters about the day of the Lord, <laughs> okay? Isaiah 2, for the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up, and it shall be brought low. You hear Mary's song there? He has scattered the proud in their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones, almost like Mary knows what Isaiah is talking about. The haughtiness of man shall be humbled. The lofty pride of men will be brought low. And the Lord alone will be exalted when? In that day, he will be exalted. Later, Isaiah declares concerning um, Babylon, wail for the day of the Lord is near. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. From his arm he will do this. See, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, with wrath, fierce anger. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will put an end to the pride of the arrogant and lay low the insolence of tyrants. I will scatter the proud. I will bring down the mighty. I will send away the rich. This is what Mary's a first century Jew with this in her guts. And when she gets this announcement of God's promises, this is what she sings. She sings Isaiah. And, and notice the arm of the Lord and the day of the Lord, like they, they function together. You don't get one without the other. Isaiah 30. The Lord will cause men to hear his majestic voice, and he will make them see his arm coming down with raging anger and consuming fire, with cloudburst, thunderstorm, and hail. Right? Sinai vibes going on there. The mountain shakes, lightning, smoke, thunder. Um, every stroke the Lord lays on them with his punishing rod, with his arm, will be to the music of tambourines and harps as he fights them in battle with the blows of his arm. So Mary is prophesying about the day of the Lord, saying this day, this action is certain, and she's allegedly doing what? What do we say Mary's doing? Singing, right? We call it Mary's song. Now, it never actually says she sings, but it's a cool idea, right? (laughs) Mary's song, she's singing, just like they're singing in Isaiah 30, okay? Why are the saints singing? Why is Mary singing, okay? Because this is what the Lord will do, okay? This is what the saints will do as the Lord pours out his judgments on the earth, okay? So wherever you you put uh, Revelation, there's 27 songs in there. What's going on in Revelation? The Lord is pouring out his judgment and his wrath on the earth and the saints are singing songs. You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> this it's it's not that it's, it sounds bad. It's not bad, guys. When 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 uh, Auschwitz is liberated, it's happy. It's joyful. It, it's singing. It, it's it's a good deal. So when we see God show himself through his mighty hand, outstretched arms, that's how they talk about the Exodus. He delivered them. We sing. We grab a tambourine with Miriam and and go for it. He has done this thing. Isaiah 40. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring the gospel to Jerusalem, lift up your voice. Shout, lift up. Don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. Isaiah 63. I stomped them in my anger. I trampled them down in my rage. For I looked forward to the day of vengeance. 
payback arrived. I looked and there was no one to help. I was shocked because there was no one offering support. So who does the day of the Lord? Okay. Who has the strength to to bring down the mighty from their thrones? Who has the strength to to scatter the proud and lofty in their hearts? Who has the strength to send away the rich empty? And more importantly, who has the integrity to carry out these these judgments perfectly? Who can do that? None of us. Okay? Like if you've spent any time in the court system, God bless them. I think most of them are trying to do their best. But do they miss stuff all the time? Yes, they do. Okay? Only the Lord has the, the, the wherewithal, the, the, the righteousness, the, the discernment to execute justice on the earth perfectly. Okay? Man, the strength of man cannot do it. And so instead of putting our hope in the strength of man to accomplish these things, right? Cast down the mighty, bring redemption to the earth. Instead of that, the Lord says, my right arm will accomplish deliverance. He's, it's the Lord's day. His day. Mankind, you get 6,000 years. This is my day. And I'm going to do it. Okay? Through the strength of my arm. Isaiah 51. Awake, awake. Oh, put on strength. O oh, arm of the Lord. Was it not you who pierced the dragon? Genesis 3. Crushed the serpent. Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made the depths of the sea a way for the redeemed to pass over? Was it not the arm of the Lord who did the exodus? Was not the arm of the Lord that, that, that caused the Israelites to walk through on dry land? If you read um, Jude, yeah, it's, Jude is 21 verses. It, you start your Bible reading plan with Jude and you say, I read a whole book of the Bible today in five minutes. Okay, Jude says, he puts, Jesus was the, was the one who led them out. Right? He speaks back, Jesus is the arm of the Lord. He's the one who led Israel out. So it is the the, the arm of the Lord and the day of the Lord is good news because it brings deliverance. The arm of the Lord and the day of the Lord, it exalts those of humble estate and it fills the hungry with good things. So if you are on the side of the arm of the Lord, you long for this day. This is where the Maranatha cry comes from. Lord, come, do your thing, okay? Do the bit that only you can do. Exalt those who are humble and fill those who are hungry. Scatter the proud, send the rich away, but exalt your people, O oh God. Maranatha, come. And when this day comes, when, when God shows the strength of his arm through David's greatest son, the righteous respond this way, verse 11, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I want this day to come. Amen. Isaiah 52. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together in singing, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has also past tense language. You see it? That hadn't happened when Isaiah is saying these things. Things are very, 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 very bad for Israel and Zion and Jerusalem and his people. Yet Isaiah says he has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations and all of the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. What is salvation in this context? It's the deliverance of the earth, deliverance of Zion from the arm of the Lord. He's the one who, it's Exodus, okay, your whole... Your whole Bible's Exodus, actually. Okay. This is, what's going on here, this is the longing of every human heart. Okay. Of everyone who's poor in spirit, of everyone who, who 
who's been ground into powder by the powers and principalities and rulers of this age. And this is what Mary is singing about. This is what she's going on about. The day of the Lord and the arm of the Lord. And to step back into the, the Advent story, this day, this arm, miracle of miracles, is growing in her womb. You know what I mean? Like, uh, the Christmas story by itself as a Gentile is awesome. Okay? Like, here's the Savior of the world, born to a virgin, angels singing. Like, that's all awesome. But if you're Mary, and you've got the day of the Lord in your guts, okay? And, you, and you've been longing for what Isaiah prophesied for your entire life, and you're under the thumb of Rome, that's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. You say, oh, that guy, that arm... You know what I mean? Like, it's huge. Like, it's a, it's a big deal in her womb. Mary, inconsequential, unimportant Mary. In her womb is the Messiah, the ruler, the arm of the Lord uh, of Psalm 110, who will crush kings when? On his day of wrath, on his day. That's in her belly. He will judge nations, heaping up the dead, crushing the rulers. There's rulers there is the Hebrew word rosh which means head, he will crush what head? The serpent's head, Genesis 3, like we're still telling the same exact story. He will crush the heads of the whole earth. And Mary's going, he's in my belly. And Elizabeth is going, and the guy who's going to prepare the way for him is in my belly. Let's have a shower. (laughs) Let's get the cupcakes and let's do the bit. Holly and Shelby aren't here. We could get balloons. The Savior of the world, the arm of the Lord is growing in my stomach. Or where, I don't know the biology, that area, you know. Like that's happening. He is in her belly. The arm of the Lord, the, the child of Isaiah chapter 9 is in her belly unto us. A child is born unto us. Israel, Jerusalem, a son is given and the government's going to be on his shoulders. After the Lord comes in the strength of his arm... No more crooked politicians, guys. Okay, in whichever side of the aisle, no more crooked politicians. No more endless lying. Okay, and and just this is... Here is a ruler, here is a king, here here is a, a, a sovereign who will not exhaust his people. You know what I mean? Will not exhaust his people. Like, I don't have children yet, but... The Bible tells you very, very, very little about how to parent, okay? Like, you've got Proverbs there that's probably good. But of the instruction, like, what do you got? Write it on your door, the Shema, okay, all that. And then, Paul, don't exasperate your children. Don't exhaust your children. And we have a king here, a ruler here, who will not exhaust his people. Maranatha. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness. Not like the rulers of the day. Okay? Not like the rulers Mary is in her immediate context. Not like them. He will uphold the kingdom with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The right arm, the strong arm of the Lord will accomplish Psalm 110, Isaiah 9, the other million messianic chapters we have in our Bible. 
Okay, and just so another hint that Mary is, this is what Mary's talking about. Okay, that she's not just saying random cool things from the Bible, but she's talking about the day of the Lord and the arm of the Lord. When the uh, angels show up to the shepherds, right? Luke, two, we're Luke one, Luke two. The an angel shows up. Well, I'll just read it. Um, I don't have. I didn't put this in here. Okay, uh, the same region, shepherds out in the field, keeping the watch of their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Huh, why are they filled with great fear? Probably because angels are terrifying, okay? And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, who is the Messiah, who is Psalm 110, Psalm 12 guy, who will crush kings on his day of wrath. That guy is born, and this will be a sign for you, and you will find a baby, you know, swatting clothes, the whole, the whole bit there, okay? So that's one angel shows up. And then, suddenly, there was with that one angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And this is what they say. On earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Okay, so you got the day of the Lord, arm of the Lord context here. The angel shows up and says, That guy, that arm in his day, he's just been born. Okay, and then the next thing they see is a heavenly host of angels, okay? So contrary to our Christmas cards and Christmas carols and all this stuff, a heavenly host is not a choir, okay? Now, can angels belt it? I assume so, all right? I, I'm banking on standing before the throne and the angels just Josh Grobening that, that whole bit, okay? And but, but the word host here is in Greek, strategio, okay? It is a... Military term. Why would a military host of angels show up at the Messiah's birth? Because the day of the Lord includes 10,000 legions of angels coming in flaming fire to inflict punishment on those who persecute you. Okay? So the angels are like, oh, it's the day of the Lord. And the shepherds are like, oh, it's the day of the Lord. Now, it got delayed, okay? But they, right? Angels don't know the day or the hour. They say, hey, there's your captain, there's your king, there's the Messiah. Well, we're here. Let's go. Let's do the thing. And you don't care about that. Anyway, that's just... <laughs> like the, the heavenly host in the sky is another hint that, oh, we're talking Isaiah language here. We're talking Psalm 110 language here. Now, we find out later in the story, as do these people, that he came the first time to bear sin. Okay? He came first time not to... Do the day of the Lord. He came the first time to die on a cross for our sins and offer mercy to all people before that day. Hebrews 9.28 came once to bear sin. He's coming a second time not to bear sin, but to rescue and save those who are eagerly waiting for him. But that's what's going on here. So here's the thing that, that matters. In the day of the Lord, God will show the strength of his arm. And there won't be a question. Won't be like, is this happening? Is it not happening? Is he doing it? Is he not? We will know. <laughs> okay. In the day of the Lord, he will show the strength of his arm. He will scatter the proud. He will bring down the mighty. He will exalt the humble. He will fill the hungry with good things, and he will send the rich away empty. Of this, Mary has no doubt. So she says it in past tense. And neither should we. Okay. As followers of Jesus, as disciples of this Jewish king. We can put all of our hope in God setting all things right and, and making everything sad come untrue. All of our hope for those things 
We put that in the strength of His arm. We put our hope in the day of the Lord. So here's the question then. On the day of the Lord, when the Lord starts to flex, how does it work out for you? Okay? For the proud, not great. You're scattered. For those with delusions of strength, not great. Okay? It's like, have you ever been on the playground and the teacher puts uh, the bully in charge of the game? Right, and he's just lording it over everyone, or like just the crossing guard, like, I am the crossing guard. You will listen to me. And they rule in unrighteousness, and then the teacher shows up and says, you're a fifth grader, what are you doing? (laughs) That's the day of the Lord for unrighteous rulers, okay? Whether over nations or states or towns or department stores or churches or families, for unrighteous rulers, the day of the Lord and the arm of the Lord is not great. For the rich who became rich through oppression or unfair wages, not great, okay? He's, there's no part of our existence, okay, from Adam to now to that day that God sweeps under the rug and says, oh, I missed that one. That's who the day of the Lord comes from. And so the issue for all of us is that at some point in our lives, we have set ourselves against the Lord and his anointed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have gone to his own way. And you can find parts of yourself in everything Mary is condemning there and everything that will be condemned on the day of the Lord. And because of that, because we, we, we joined Adam, set ourselves against God, the day of the Lord's coming for us. All that Isaiah language is coming for us, okay? Very bad news. But the good news... Okay, the, 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 the news that, that travels the globe really fast, I wonder why. The good news is that God has provided a way for us to be saved from his wrath on that day. And you had nothing to do with it. Out of his own goodwill and good pleasure, he sent his son to die for the sins of the world. In sending his son, God has provided the blood for you to paint over your door. Again, your whole Bible is just Exodus. This is what he has done. When, when Gabriel shows up to Joseph, he says, what? She will bear a son. You will call his name Jesus, for he will what? Save his people from their sins. Save his people from the wrath of God on the day of the Lord, so that you can inherit eternal life and live forever in a body that never, ever dies. And he will come and wipe away every tear from your eye. And there will be no more sadness or crying or mourning or death. Hallelujah. Come, Lord. His people, he will save his people from their sins. If I have the music team come up. Clearly Israel, right? He will save his people from their sins. But by faith, okay, Gentiles too can receive forgiveness of our sins before the day of the Lord. We can see, receive forgiveness of our sins before the arm of the Lord comes, okay? It's, it's just a twofold, really simple, really easy gospel for people like you and me. Acts 10, Jesus is the one whom God has appointed as judge of the living and the dead. That's one. He's the arm of the Lord. He has a day. He's going to do it. He, he, he's panting and waiting to, to do this day. That's true. But also, Peter says, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in, his, believes in him and receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The day of the Lord's coming. We all deserve it. The wrath of God is coming. We all deserve it. The arm of the Lord is coming. We all deserve it. But everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of their sins for that day. And we can know it. (laughs) We can know these things, okay? And so, if you haven't, okay, just want to mark two things on you. The day the Lord's coming, 
He has scattered the proud. He has brought down the mighty. Past tense, talking. Okay? He's going to do those things. And you actually can receive forgiveness of your sins through his name. So if you haven't done that, okay? If you've got, one, you just don't believe any of this at all, which I understand. we got a Lord going up into the sky and coming down out of the sky and going into the dirt and coming out of the dirt and all kinds of crazy stuff. If you don't believe it at all, let's talk. But if you don't believe that God actually can forgive your sins, let's talk too. Because I'm going to tell you that he can, okay? And everyone in this room who's a member of our church can testify that he can and he does. And at the day of the Lord, you will receive the resurrection of the dead and not condemnation to a lake of fire. Okay? So that's what Mary's talking about. Let's pray. And let's, let's stand. Father, um, God, we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you don't lie. Um, all your promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. God, I ask that you would cause us, um, God, stir our hearts. God, fan into flame the, the gift of God that is in us. God, to, to believe these things in our bones. Believe these things in our guts that now is not always. Things won't be this way forever. You have an appointed end. God, to every wicked ruler. God, you have set a day. God, for everyone who is proud and lofty in their heart. God, you have set a day. God, for for the rich who would oppress. Who would not give fair wages, God. Who would deal with people in, in unrighteousness. God, you set a day for them. And so, God, we thank you for your mercy towards us, that you've given us time to repent, that you've given us time to turn from our own rebellion and turn from our wickedness and trust in you and receive the Holy Spirit and the love of God that to confirm these things to us is true. God, we ask that our anchor, our hope would be in the Lord, his arm, his strength, his day. In the name of Jesus. Everyone said, Amen.